Davis, hello, fellow podcaster John O. Davis, hello. Hello, hi Joe. How are you? Pretty well today, pretty well. It's a beautiful Saturday. What, what part of the country are you in? I am in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, Atlanta, Georgia. I was yep, just home what? of Peaches and Violet Chotchke and the Cole Page Brooks. I was reading something about Atlanta, Georgia recently, and I was thinking about... Because, you know, uh, we used to be associated with a, a, a gay podcasting network called Pride 48, mm-hmm. which Taylor the Latte Boy is on the, the board of directors, and I don't know why I say used to... Well, the show isn't, but Pride, Taylor very much is very much involved with Pride 48. And, you, and your old podcast was on Pride 48. Yes, I used to have a James Bond podcast, uh, the Sagas podcast, and we just went through each of the uh, James Bond movies, and and they uh, was they were our network. They, they were really really mm-hmm. great to us. But you're not with them because you have a new show, right? I do. Uh, well, there are only like twenty five, twenty six James Bond movies out there. So once we finished, we were like, well, what do we do now? So uh, we just kind of uh, made that into a, like a personal journal podcast called What the Puck. What the puck? And we can find that everywhere on iTunes, on Spotify, and all the places you can find podcasts. That's it. That's it. It's just my friend uh, Lena Deloach. She's actually in the chat room right now. Um, and we just uh, chat about every other week, and we just kind of shoot the shit and talk about the drama in our lives. Oh, look at that. But you don't want to put that on Pride 48? Uh, I haven't thought about that. I mean, it's because, I mean... I, we had like a 26 episode Sagas podcast, and I was kind mm-hmm. of embarrassed after that finished. I was like, "Well, that's that's why are you embarrassed?" I don't know. I don't know. I, you know what's um, funny too is, and I know this is what this is about, but Pride 40, I feel, is more into personal journals and sort of neat. They, they like the, the personal journals do best on that show, as opposed to like uh, a niche one like uh, the James Bond one. That's true. That's very true. They seem to um, like personal journals over there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, wait, is is catching up still under Pride Forty Eight? No. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I might think about it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Mike Lawson doesn't really get along with the powers that be. It. Well, you know what's so funny? He doesn't get along with the old powers that the former powers that be at Pride Forty Eight. But ever since then, we. Uh, we just haven't gone back. Now, John, I want to say something before we we're, and we're going to get into RuPaul's Drag Race. I want cuz you were originally scheduled to be on last week and I had to cancel and I'm sorry. And then um we're doing it this week. So we're going to talk about last week's episode cuz there's not much to talk about with this week's episode. And then we will uh we'll talk about all things here about your podcast. We'll hear more about that and and uh I was I'm trying to convince John, I think, you know, we have that open mic show. Uh I want him to submit one of his episodes of his personal journal podcast for the next open mic uh slot. Uh, and we could put that out there. And uh, anyway, um, so right before we went on air, I got a very, very nice and very. I'm more curious about the the genesis of this than I am about <laughs> what the actual what I'm going to play right now says. But uh, I get this email from Jono saying to thank you for having me on reclaiming your time. Here's a little gift. Now, before you we do anything, 
you should not be thanking me. I should be thanking you to, for providing content for my show. I, I'm you're the guest. I'm the one who's thanking you. You don't owe me any kind of thanks. But now, no. let me play the gift you sent first of all, and everyone can respond in kind, and then we'll talk about it. Here we go. Hi guys, this is Bob the Drag Queen, and you're listening to Drag Race Recap on Afterthought Media. Okay. What the <laughs> hell? Why? why how, first of all, how did you get Bob the Drag Queen to do that? I I, I grew up with Bob the Drag Queen. Uh, I I know him as Caldwell, and okay. we went to we went to college together. So mm-hmm. I've known him for about fifteen years. Mm-hmm. And I, I since I have known that I was going to be a, a guest on this podcast for a while now, I just gave him a call yesterday, and I said, "Hey, just out of the blue, would you mind doing me a favor?" And and he recorded that for me. And he wasn't like. This is weird. What is this? What's going on? No, no. Um, I, I told him about your podcast, and uh-huh. I told him about reclaiming our time and uh, what that means for uh, people of color and what, like how we can be represented and how yeah. the show is you know represents us. And, and mm-hmm. I think that might have struck a chord with him. And so it didn't really take much convincing for me to to ask him to do that. Okay, that's very nice. I'm glad that's what it was. That's very nice. I was hoping you didn't pay for one of those like cameo apps, and I was like, oh, you. No. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that makes me feel better. Yeah, cause I, I know that Bob is from Atlanta. So then when I have we ever been super critical of Bob on this show? I mean, where I think that criticism was uh, pretty much appropriate. Mm-hmm. I think uh, when when you're talking about makeup or looks or the way he did it in a challenge, I mean, you're going to do that to, to any queen that's on the show. Yeah. So I think I, I don't think listening and i've listened to you to this podcast since season eight mm-hmm. and i don't think there's ever been a time where anyone has just bashed bob yeah no i don't think so well he was so clearly a winner does that make sense yeah. so it's not like uh he's gonna get really bashed uh that much and he was he was actually fortunately for him or for us he was only on a, he was on a, probably the shortest regular season ever he's only like 10 yeah. episodes or something like that you know mm-hmm. before they switched that whole format with the lip sync for your you know uh Lip sync for the crown and all that good stuff. Well, but, I think because um, they wanted there, it was a short season because they wanted there was a reason. Oh, because they were doing All Stars two the same year, and I think RuPaul mm-hmm. was like, "I'm going to do a full season or not." Now she does everything now, but at the time, I think she was like, "I'm not doing both." Um, but well, remind uh, me afterwards. I'll send you. He sent over, I think, three different clips uh, that you can just keep in your archives. <laughs> oh, really? So, oh, the other thing yeah. too was, you know what it was? It had nothing to do with that. They wanted to keep it at a hundred queens. It, remember, it was, it was the one where they had the hundred queens episode, so they had a right. limited run series. And they're like, okay, we'll do all stars too. What do the other two clips say? Uh, where he admits that he's never listened to the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the clips, I, I think he he says, "Well." Uh, you're listening to this podcast, which I've never heard, but it's important that you're listening to it. Hooray. Um, yeah, he, um, it's it's really funny. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the most recent episode of, um, of RuPaul's Drag Race, the one called Sex and the Kitty Girls. And uh, in this episode, uh, it, ultimately, we'll do a brief rundown. The girls are tasked with um, 
having to do an acting challenge, a Rue Hollywood story, which is a mockumentary about uh, the failed attempt to do a third sequel to... Uh, they're doing Sex in the City, but Sex and the Kitty Girl, and they're making fun of all the actresses involved and whatnot. Uh, there's a, what happens in this episode? Not really much. I mean, the girls no. kind of go back and forth about what's fair in terms of elimination and who should go home and who should not go home. And then... They do the challenge, and they do it with Ross, and it makes it seem like they did really poorly. And then they do the elimination day. Nothing big happens in elimination day. Then they have a a, 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 a runaway, and it's Kitty Cat Couture. <laughs> and then after that, we see uh, the final product, which is not as bad as it made it seem in the filming, but it wasn't necessarily great. And then we see that Trinity and Monique are named the top two. And then there's a lot of deliberation back and forth because everyone else is in the bottom. And then it lands up being that uh, Trinity sends Latrice Royale home. Okay, your thoughts. Well, let's let's do like we do in the episode. Are there two things you liked about the episode and one thing you didn't, Jono? Um, sure. I really liked Rue's look mm-hmm. in this episode. And I think you touched on it a little bit with Jamila that um, it is a callback to a look that she had in 1996. Mm-hmm. It was... Um, I, that's what made it cool for me because I, I agree with you. It, it didn't really do much for me. I thought it was kind of, meh, you know, I like the silhouettes that she's pulling out this season, but mm-hmm. it, that's what the, the novelty aspect of it is what made it really, really cool for me. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this rock, paper, scissors bit that they did in the show. <laughs> yes. Okay. So when it was airing and I was watching it, I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. Why are they actually making a segment out of this where they actually had graphics on the screen? Because but, I think before you say anything, I think it's because they had so little content. I agree. I agree. I think there was nothing else drama wise in the episode except the very end. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It, it just made for a little funny bit that they had. I was like, I can't believe they're actually squeezing and milking this, but mm-hmm. okay. Um, I, uh, I didn't like the acting challenge. Now yeah. it, that's kind of a broad, you know, statement, but it, it was a very um, the acting challenges that I do like that the show does well is when they actually can create their own characters. But the challenges that I'm not very fond of are when they actually are, are impersonating actresses or actual characters that have been established on other television shows. Mm-hmm. So. You know, at this point, we're we're kind of getting into snatch game territory, and some people are just, you know, those who are familiar with Sex in the City and those actresses are going to excel, and those who aren't are not. And I, I just didn't think that this was kind of a fair challenge. Yes, it seems to be a season that's very heavily dependent on acting and comedy skills, and it seems like the show's been sort of going that way. Uh, you know, I kind of stepped on you when you're talking about the 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 rock paper scissors moment. That was a really good point you brought up because I should have brought it up. Is that like, yeah, I think that might be that rock paper paper scissors moment might be the most dramatic thing that happened in the episode. <laughs> I never even considered that. That was because the, the episode was so blah that it might be the most dramatic thing that happened in the episode. Now you didn't like the acting challenge. What did you think of the runway? I. Th- Watching it live, I really enjoyed it, actually. I mm-hmm. really, really enjoyed it. Now, the more I sit back and think about it and I and I relook at some of those looks, not so much because I think that the cat suit was a little tired on the on the runway. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching it live, I was I was living. Yeah. I was living for each of those looks and, and I really enjoyed it. Now, you know, we're going to only spend a little bit of time on this episode. There's so, there's so little to discuss about this yeah. episode, really. And I, and I really, the reason I had you, I wanted you on last week was to talk about last week's episode. So we'll get to that. 
But uh, to tie up the loose end, did you think that Latrice Royale was the right person to go home today? That, that's the thing is what I've seen on social media is like, oh, this is boring. This is rigor morris. This is this and this is that. And this, you're clearly in, the, in the, the editings for this person and that person. But ultimately, they all agree eh, the right people were in the top and the right people were in the bottom and the right person went home. I agree. I think the right person went home. Um, and I love Latrice. She's one of my favorite queens in, in the entire uh, run of the series, but mm-hmm. I think it was time for her to go. Um, it, she has not been uh, delivering when it comes to the challenges, or especially the runway this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I don't know. She just she was not uh, living up to what I thought she could really, really do with with um, her status of being there. And uh, no, it was it was time for her to go. Did you notice though that? When she was eliminated in season four, she was eliminated during the bitch ball where she was dressed like a dog. And in this one, she was eliminated where she was dressed like a cat. Oh, I didn't even think about it. It's a really, really good point. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it just seems whenever she plays animals. Well, no, <laughs> I don't remember. season Like an all-star season nine, RuPaul's going to be like, well, uh, uh, today's challenge, you're going to be dressed like birds. And she just looks she's at the like, camera oh, she's like, like, bitch, nope. I'm out. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to quit right now. So, uh, okay, so are there any, you took, I'm assuming you took some notes for this. Uh, Were there any, are there any things that, because again, like I said, not much to here, and I really want to get your thoughts on last week's episode, the one where, um, where Manila Manila went home, and we'll talk about that in a second, but is there anything that we didn't really touch on that you want to talk about that, like, uh, about this episode? Like I said, there really aren't that many things to talk about with this episode. No, I think y'all kind of... Uh, touched on most of it in in the the recap of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, did you think? Now this is just me speculating. Did you think when they went into that clown bit that there was some sort of clown challenge that was discarded in this season? No, I think you're giving them too much credit. And I and I often do that myself, where I'm all like, "Oh, they're doing this. They're doing this secret." I think I've learned more and more, and I don't remember what I know. I, I can paraphrase the quote pretty well, but I don't know who said it. So forgive me for not for the attribution missing. But never attribute to malice what can be explained with incompetence. And I think that very much exp- explains RuPaul's Drag Race. I, I think I used to always be like, "Oh, they're playing this deep game and they're doing this," and I just realized, yeah. no, they're just kind of lazy to put together a show. And I just think, and I think, and we talked about this in the full recap is. They're really bad at writing these acting challenges, and it always seems like it ends with something stupid. And that that's very funny to them, and they think it's so funny to put these drag queens in stupid situations. Um, but ultimately, no, I, don't, I, 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 I wish we could give them that much thought. I just think that they just wanted it. They go, wouldn't it be funny if we put them as clowns? Yeah. yeah like, I remember writing, you're, uh, na- writing for the inevitable, like, Bianca Del Rio tweet about it, and it's... it's I'm really like, ugh. <laughs> Yeah, mad about it. Uh, But okay, so we closed the loop on episode nine, Sex and the Kitty Girls. Have you said everything you have to say? I think so. Yeah, there was not much to this episode. Okay, so let's get what I really want to talk to you about. What I want to talk to you about last week. So the reason we had you ever for people who I mean, if you're listening to Reclaiming Our Time, you're on Patreon and you understand the concept of Reclaiming Our Time. It's when we have diverse points of view about RuPaul's Drag Race. And just to over-explain again, is if you look out there in the marketplace of podcasts that are out there open to the general public, for the most part, the big ones are all two white gay guys or a white gay guy and his white girlfriend. And the only exception I can think of is 
What the Tuck with uh, Nicole Byer and her white friend. In fact, I think now with Jamila being the, the guest co-host on these episodes for the past couple of weeks, we've been the most diverse one because we have a Mexican guy and a black girl talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. So we like to... I want to get the opinions of people of color instead of just white gay people always saying the same shit over and over again. And so... The reason I had you on, and I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily obvious here, but Jono is an Asian-American man. What specifically, not just gender, because I said I'm Mexican, is there a specific uh, um, ethnicity you want to specify, Jono? I'm South Korean. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I check a couple of those those boxes on that checklist. I'm Asian, I'm gay, I'm adopted. Oh, you're yeah. adopted? Yeah, I'm the poster child for rejection. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, so you really, I think the only person that would beat you is like a black trans lesbian uh, might be <laughs> yes. uh, the only person that beats you. Okay, so, I and I'm going to be honest with you, Shauna, when I put the call out on social media and on uh, everywhere to get people of color, I particularly wanted two people, you know? Because I had a lot of African-Americans who'd written to me. I had a lot of Latinos who'd written to me. They want to be on the show. But I, I, I struggle to this day. It's just you and one other girl who have said they want to be on the air who are Asian. Like, we have such a shortage of Asian representation in terms of commenting on this show. And so I wanted to talk to you about your... Now, I'm sure there are a lot of Asians who watch the show. But not a lot who listen to us, at least. And not a lot who want to come on the air. Like, for instance... Bookworm, who makes all of our incredible art, she never wants to come in the air, but she's Asian, oh. and uh, she—I'm assuming she's Asian. I know what her name is; it's a very Asian name. And maybe she—I don't know. The only thing that can be maybe she married someone who's Asian, but based on her name alone, I don't know what she looks like. I've never spoken to her or anything. I've, only by email I communicate with her. But based on the name that I've seen on the emails, she is Asian. Okay, okay, of Asian descent in some way. Okay. And but she's never asked to come on the air, so maybe they just don't want to come on the air. Or I, I don't know what what are your uh, what is what is your hot take there? Uh, I, I don't know I, because I, I I just don't know this show's demographic, the percentages mm-hmm. or any of that. Like I mean, the show in itself, RuPaul's Drag Race, we have what maybe one Asian queen per season, mm-hmm. maybe except for All Stars four. Mm-hmm. So I mean it it could just be representative of the show that uh, I mean, a, a lot of people just don't like to, to get on the air and, and voice their opinions. Yeah. I'm just very, it could be, you know, it could um, be, but, but okay. So as an Asian, so, so you're going to be representing all Asian gay men for me right now. I, I sure will. I sure will. We've deemed you the president of gay Asian people, gay Asian adopted people. You're the president. <laughs> what, how, what do you feel about the representation of Asian people on this show? Funny you ask. I actually made a list of all the Asians that have ever been on RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay. And uh, surprisingly, there are – there's a good handful of them. There's at least one a season, maybe mm-hmm. except for season seven. And uh, and sometimes there, there were two. But I feel like Asian representation, it's there. It's there. I can't complain that it's not because there are certain uh, people of color and certain ethnicities that – aren't represented on the show. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't really complain that oh, we only get one Asian and then they're about to open up with Drag Race Thailand. So mm-hmm. I mean there's that as well. Yeah. Um season 11, they're going to be two Asian queens and it, I 
I really can't complain that there's not representation because there is. Is there a fair amount when it comes to like white, black? No, no. But, you know, I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is I, I can't really complain about it, but I, it's not a fair amount, but I'll take what I, I'll take what I'm given. You know, I just thought of this question right now because you may be South Korean by ethnicity, but who adopted you? How how were you raised culturally? How how do you identify culturally? Um, I was raised by Southern white people, mm-hmm. uh, like tip, your typical Southern belle and Southern gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, very Americanized, yeah. um, but they did do a good job. My parents did do a very good job with. Um, having me experience a lot of that culture. We went back to South Korea mm-hmm. uh, about 15 years ago and um, I've, I've carried articles of clothing or I, I, I'm not just throwing that past aside. I'm not just ignoring that side of my life, but I, I tend to, the older I get, the more it fascinates me and the more I do want to reconnect with that culture mm-hmm. and, uh, and be very proud of it. Yeah. But I wonder because I doubt there are a lot of South Koreans in Atlanta, Georgia, but, um, but my question, though, is when you are have you, is there any circumstance where you're around a lot of Asians or a lot of Koreans? Yes, actually, there in Atlanta, we split it up into different kind of, uh, uh, I guess, divisions in the city. Mm-hmm. And in the northeast corner of Atlanta, it's a lot of Asians. Oh, there, there are. are a, okay, yeah, there are a lot of Asian markets. Uh, there's a whole highway where you can just get your nails done and do karaoke all day. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. It's it's fabulous. It's mm-hmm. fabulous. But um, no, there. But then again, if I travel over to like the side of town where I work, there aren't any Asians. I'm like the only one in the city that I work in. So, yeah. okay. So that actually goes to my question: Is what does it feel like? And and and, and I guess I sort of. I'm a Latino who I'm, you know, my, my natural parents raised me, but I grew up in Orange County, California, which is very, very, very white. It's why I sound so white. But there is this otherness because obviously I'm Mexican. And so I'm not, uh, to a certain extent, I'm more, I'm more accepted. In, in fact, I will say maybe you have the same experience. I'm more accepted by white people uh, because they sound like them and think like them and talk about things that they do than I am by Latinos. But there is still, even then, this otherness, okay? There's an otherness among white people, but then, strangely, there's an otherness when I'm with Latino people because I don't sound like them. I don't have the same cultural experiences they do. And so they see me, even though I look like I got slapped in the face with a cactus, they see me as a white person. And so I float somewhere in the middle. And I don't know if you have a similar experience there in Georgia. I have a very similar uh, experience because I work for, uh, for the government actually. And Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of white people and for me, it's hard for me to, this is not going to, I'm trying not to make this sound derogatory at all towards white people, but I, I seem to check off something from their checklist, you Mm -hmm. know, Oh, we have a person of color. Thank God. You know? And, and for when I'm around a lot of Asians, I, I have a a tough time connecting and they often, since I am, I, I I speak English. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, have a very Americanized lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, they're very fascinated by that. So when I do get around other Asians, they have a lot of questions about, um, uh, so, uh, 
where are you from? And how long have you been here? And to mm -hmm. me, I'm like, what? Who cares? Why does that matter? You know, but I get it's a, it's a cultural thing. And mm -hmm. they, um, uh, they are just curious to, mm -hmm. to know my, my history and my, my, but when I'm around white people, they don't care. You know, yeah. they just, you know, I, I really do check that box for them. And, and I think uh, it, it, I don't want to dumb that down. A lot of them do respect the things that I do and all that stuff, but um, it's, it's nice to have a person of color in a, in a sea of people who are not people of color. But do you identify so like, you know, the, the, the question I'm going to ask you now is as uh, a person who I guess, genetically speaking is Asian, but maybe not necessarily culturally. So, do you identify with Manila Luzon? Now, strange people who don't know Manila Luzon is half white and half Asian. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, do, do you identify with her? Do you think, oh, that's my representation right there, or do you not? I do actually. I do identify more with Manila than I do with, say, Gia Gunn. Okay. Or, um, uh, shoot, like Kamora Black. I, yeah. I, because um, Manila is. Uh, has a very Americanized uh, flair about her. Mm -hmm. uh, so, no, I, I absolutely do. But I guess that, so it would it would be not necessarily inappropriate, but it, you wouldn't have much to say about necessarily like Kim Chi, who's also, I believe her family is South Korean, but like mm -hmm. she has a very South Korean experience where she hasn't come out to her mom. I think she's still, I think her mom to this day still doesn't know. Um, yeah. No, I don't connect to... Uh, to that but i do i mean there's a part of me because and it's not so much because i'm south korean i think mm -hmm. just me as a person i am just very open-minded i understand that you know that's just how that culture is and that's just how that is so uh, i'm accepting of it but i i don't necessarily connect to it yeah because i was gonna say but i wonder growing up though and I wonder if this applies to Drag Race. Growing up as a kid, I would always be very connected to representations that I saw of Latinos in the media. Because either they looked like me or they had a similar experience. To like, and, and so, I, like, for instance, let's take Valentina. I think that is why there's such a strong connection from a lot of Latinos when they see Valentina because she looks like them, she has the same cultural experience that they do. Now, cultural experience aside is and I don't you don't look like Kim Chi. I've seen a picture of you. But what I'm saying though, <laughs> but Kim Chi, in terms of all the Asians that have been on the show, I don't have there been other South Koreans on the show? Or even Koreans? I don't think so. I think Kim Chi might be the only one that yeah. I um, is do you go like well I she she doesn't look like me but she has a lot of the same physical features that I would just being Korean just by nature of being Korean was there any sort of connection like that I remember just to, I remember the movie Clash of the Titans which the star of the movie uh, Harry Hamlin is not Latino at all he's the whitest person ever but he had dark curly hair so I really connected with that just because he had dark curly hair like oh there's someone that looks like me so is there do you have even it doesn't have to be from drag race it could be anything like even growing up where there are asian people in media that you like really connected with because they look like you especially growing up where you did some uh like i'm a big fan of television dramas mm -hmm. and it, it has always just pissed me off that most television shows much like that checkbox they have oh they have their they're one Asian on the show or they're mm -hmm. one Asian couple on the show. And that's it. You yeah. Know, it, Cause they, they fill a quota of, you know, we have people of color. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would gravitate more towards those shows that did have 
uh, ethnically diverse casts. Um, with this show, I, I I really connected with those earlier ones that they had, like Jujubee, um, mm-hmm. even people like Vivian Panay, uh, you know, queens like that, that, that showed that, okay, if I, not that I want to be a drag queen, but if I were, that's how I would sculpt my face. That mm-hmm. is how I would, I would go about doing that. And that's possibly what I would even look like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's who I make a connection with. It's mm-hmm. not so much if you take someone like Gia Gunn, um, of course I can say she's beautiful, gorgeous, but, mm-hmm. um, her history with Kabuki theater, stuff like that. I, I, I don't have any sort of connection with that, but, um, growing up, I did have like, if, if you were Asian, if you were on primetime television, I would probably, you know, give you some attention i i Mm -hmm. I would absolutely want to watch um and i'm having that issue now with a lot of superhero movies because where is there an asian superhero Mm -hmm. we we have that that guy that best friend off of the new spider-man movies Mm -hmm. but that's pretty much it um and and i i don't know it's just i feel like asians typically do get the gyp when it comes to representation but again eh, not really complaining but just an observation Yeah, well, no, look, here's the deal is, you know, even I have a friend who's Asian who works in casting and uh, it's it's something that he and I frequently discuss. And and it's it's a big push for him to, you know, whenever they're casting people, they have these like different showcases they might do. And so they're always desperate to find an Asian person, first of all, an Asian person, but also an Asian person who checks off more of a leading man type, you know, because there's a, the, often the Asian is more like Ken Jeong, where he's like this comical, like, uh, let's make yeah. fun of him for being Asian. But you rarely see, like, the sultry or sexy Asian leading man, even though there are some very, very sexy Asian men. If you don't believe me, even though I doubt why you wouldn't, God, just Drag Race Thailand. Their fucking pit crew is so hot. Oh, my God. Um, and that pit crew member from what two episodes ago? Oh. And how he just came out of nowhere, and everyone was like, "What? An Asian pit crew member?" Because the yeah. last time we saw one was in season six. Yeah. Oh my goodness, he was hot too. Oh my god. Sorry, I'm getting excited. But like, but so Asian men are sexy, but for some reason Hollywood doesn't want to depict that. And so, uh, yeah, and so it's it's a big problem that there that there are people who are trying to fix it, but it won't always be successful because they'll always try. I mean, take for instance. You know, that movie where um, they cast Emma Stone as an Asian person. and Ugh. Or when... Uh, the, Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson Every also. What, was that, was that, what movie was that again? Uh, not Eon Flux. I keep wanting to say, but it's not. It's um, Ghost in the Machine? Uh, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. And uh, and it's so it's it it's ridiculous how Hollywood will always try and change. I'm still convinced, even though the guy who's directing Crazy Rich Asians is directing the the film about the Thai boy rescue, I'm still convinced they'll find a way to make it about how the English guy saved them all. No, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, Hollywood will make it that the that the British guy came in and saved all the Thai boys, and you're like, no, that can't that can't be. But I think he like I think one of the films is being directed by the guy who directed Crazy Rich Asians, and he has fought and said he will not let that happen. So we'll see. But the point. So let's get to Manila Luzon. So Manila Luzon, how did you feel about the 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 treatment she got in this episode? It made for damn good television, mm-hmm. but. I was not very happy with the elimination. In mm-hmm. fact, I uh, I have been spoiler free this entire mm-hmm. season. I have I have had a lot of restraint, and I, I 
anytime you have released a rumor mill, I have just skipped right over it. Well, you know that, by the way, FYI, you know, for people who don't listen to the rumor mill, you know there's a new policy with the rumor mill that we only do rumors in the second half and we warn you. But it's called the rumor mill. I know. Don't get me started. (laughs) It was because someone complained and said that they didn't like rumors on the rumor mill. So I had to change it. So now that the first half is only about like drama in the world of RuPaul's Drag Race, letters we get. Right now we're doing like the Queens of Season 11 and doing their Meet the Queens videos. And then we stop and we say, okay, now we're going to talk about rumors. If you don't like them, stop the episode. Okay. Okay. Well, I I had skipped all of the Rumor Mill episodes. Mm -hmm. And when Manila, because Manila was my front runner. She Mm -hmm. was the one that I was hoping win the series or the season. And when she was eliminated last week, it just triggered something in me. It, Mm -hmm. It it made me not mad. I was so happy that it was good television, but mm-hmm. I was so like, just as a fan, just really upset that I just went on this, uh, like I, I, this rampage where I listened to all of your rumor mills and I was like, Oh, I'm going to fuck this season. I'm going to, to spoil myself. I don't even care anymore. And yeah, that, that's where I am at in my life right now. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of accepted it. It's it, I went through this, the uh, stages of grief in like a day, but uh, yeah, I was very, I was very distraught by her elimination. Um, however, uh, I'm still enjoying the season. I'm mm-hmm. still, I'm going to watch the rest of it. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it is what it is. But uh, I wanted to because I wanted to get what I've been trying to do is line up the ethnicity of the person with who gets eliminated that week. And so I was not necessarily excited that Manila was going home, but excited that we could have an Asian person. Uh, and maybe we'll continue this trend on season eleven, which it seems like season eleven is pretty diverse too, right? Yeah, yeah. They have two uh, that I know of, two Asian queens. They got Plastique Tiara and Soju. So yeah. that's something. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to for the finale? What are you looking forward to for season eleven? <clears throat> um. Well, I, unfortunately, I'm at a point, especially with All Stars four, where. My two queens, uh, Manila and Valentina, that I was really rooting for since they're mm-hmm. gone now, I'm kind of like, whoever wins, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it sort of seems um, there, there's an exhaustion in the audience. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm not one of those fans that's that's like, my favorite goes home, then I'm never going to watch again. And no, I'm not that bitter. But mm-hmm. um, those were the two that I was looking forward to, to winning. And I think all four queens that we have left are so strong and they mm-hmm. do deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I really will be happy for any one of the four that win, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it's just that kind of, that, that wind was kind of taken out of me when Manila went home. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm expecting just a good solid episode to, to wrap it up. Um, I guess if there were two queens that I'm rooting for, it mm-hmm. would be Trinity and Monet. Okay. But, um, Again, it's you know if Monique or Naomi win, awesome. That's that's cool too. <laughs> now let me ask you this question. Uh, I want to talk more about your podcast. I think is there anything you want to say about Manila going home, about Asian representation on RuPaul's Drag Race, about any of that? Do you, is there anything else you want to say about on uh, right now? Um, no. How? Well, actually. One one last comment. Mm-hmm. Um, since this is reclaiming our time, yeah, how much politicking do you think is going to go into uh, the selection of this last queen when you have three former All Stars queens mm-hmm. that are white with blonde hair? Yeah, how much politicking do you think is going to go into the selection? 
Um, I think what I think for what you're getting at, because you cut off a little bit there, is I actually think that they're very sensitive to it, believe it or not. And I actually think that that spells bad news for Trinity. I think everyone is very aware of it. I can't speak for Chad Michaels, because I don't know about Chad Michaels. But um, I think Alaska and Trixie, for sure, are very sensitive. I feel like Trixie has gone... Almost awkwardly so, above and beyond what a, a, a reigning queen should to sort of give Shangela her due and try and make it up to Shangela. I think she feels she's felt the heat and understands what people are talking about. And uh, I think um, the same thing is – and Alaska seems to be very down with uh, queens of color. In fact, you usually see her interacting with them. By the way, I want to correct something I saw in the chat room earlier. I was, I was actually peeking in the chat room that the co-host of What the Tuck is also Asian, I guess. So I got that wrong. Uh, and so just wanted to put that out there. So I guess they have another people of color show, but I'm glad that the, look, I'm promoting, I rarely talk about other shows. And I keep saying What the Tuck. I like it when there are people of color talking about uh, the show rather than just two white gay people. Um, but in terms, are you still there, Jono? Oh, I am. Oh, yeah. I am. I'm- but in terms of the politicking, I think if the politicking is going to go opposite of what people think, I think it's it's bad news for Trinity. Okay. If they if they okay. have any say on the final selection, I think it's bad news for Trinity. I, I think see. they're going to want to give a person of color uh, their shot at the prize uh, <laughs> over a white girl. Because looking at a lot of their Instagrams and Twitter, you know, because RuPaul's Drag Race, the official accounts, put out all those pictures last night saying, who do you want to win? And Trinity has received the most likes on both Instagram and on Twitter. But I then again, we know in former seasons that 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 doesn't really matter. Well, it matters nothing at all. It matters. It doesn't matter at all. Here's the deal. Because, look, we all we know two of those queens aren't going to make it to the top two. So it's it's already a pointless vote. But um, in terms of those online votes, I think often there's two things that go on, and I think they're being shown with Trinity. One is people vote for who they think are going to win. So they want to be known as right, that they, cho- that they chose correctly because they think, oh, well, it's obvious Trinity's going to win. Okay? One. Two, we'll say it again, and I know that the people on RuPaul's Drag Race would agree with me. The, there's a big problem with racism. People always complain about the show being racist. The, the real problem is with the fandom is extremely racist. Yes. It's, it's problematic. I mean, right now, Naomi's dealing with a bunch of drama herself because, you know, she got rid of Manila and they're hurling racial epithets at her. On, and it happens to any queen of color who eliminates a very popular queen. They get racial epithets hurled at them. Just be, and 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 the, and the and the fandom is just extremely extremely racist. I mean, like RuPaul's Drag Race can't control who's followed on social media. But if you look at social media, even like a good example is Blair St. Clair. Blair St. Clair, who only went about halfway through her season, and I'm not using this to judge Blair St. Clair. I'm not saying she's a bad queen. I'm not saying she's a bad, uh, a good queen. I'm just saying the reality is she only went through half her season. Sure. And yet she has far more Instagram followers and Twitter followers than queens who've been on multiple seasons and perform very well. So there is a... Uh, a, a racism in the community where they really flock towards white queens. And I don't know where that comes from. What are your thoughts on that, Jono? I, I mean, everyone likes a good twink, you know? And I think that's, you know, a lot of those those queens that are um, your typical beautiful, white, young-looking queens. I mean, I think you're going to have a lot of the bulk of America 
wanting to follow and wanting to do that. And, and it's and they're going to be very. Uh, they don't even have to be outspoken, but you know, it could just be a matter of liking Blair St. Clair and not liking Jasmine Masters on, on Instagram. We're not following mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So I, I think. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's kind of just it's that really that black and white. Yeah, so to speak. So I want to start doing the wrap up right now. Um, I want to talk more about what you're doing. Again, it's very interesting to me, people of color who are also not only consuming content and how they consume content, but also how they're creating content. So do you see yourself as a podcaster? I do now. Yes, Mm -hmm. I do. Um, I I did the Sagas podcast for about... Three fourths of a year because uh, mm-hmm. we released uh, one episode every month, and then after that, I took a bit of a break and uh, we retooled it a little bit. And now uh, we, like my my partner and I, produce content every other week, and we've been going at it for over a year now. Now, when you are um, doing the show, uh, did, when you first what have, what have you learned from when you first started doing the show to when you stopped doing the James Bond show? And you know, we'll, go, we'll go we'll go we'll go to your current podcast, but. Um, it has really helped my speech. It really, really helped the way I structure sentences, the way I, I just structure conversations. I had the, and I didn't even realize I had the worst, uh, ticks and, uh, just speech ticks that, that I, I had really, I, bad sentence structure and grammar. I, and like, even now I'm just like stuttering, but, uh, it, it was infinitely worse infinitely and over the past year by editing that and the editing has gotten smaller and smaller and it's i don't know it's, it's just really helped in, in many different ways uh myself personally and also it's it's just been great to reconnect with a friend that lives across the country um okay i get that and so uh now now that you have this new podcast what did you what did, what did you learn about your old podcast that you've applied in this new podcast and what's the name of the new podcast oh what the puck now why did you what the, what does that mean what the puck why did you call it that <laughs> well my friend uh who's actually in the chat room her name is lena deloach mm-hmm. uh we were we went to college as well she went to college with with bob uh, too and we uh were in a production of midsummer night's dream and uh, she was Puck, and then there's this whole. It's it's a story that's told on the first episode of the entire uh, podcast. But mm-hmm. we were in. Uh, they gave me her hand me downs in a show that I was in the next year, and I couldn't fit in them because I was too fat, and it was it was awful. So we just uh, we bonded over this Puck costume, and that's why we just called it "What the Puck." Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and 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 it's a personal journal podcast. Is it structured similarly to um, to? Uh... To like, I have another show called Catching Up. Like, it's not. That's not like you do like two stories and the news stories. No, no, we don't. We don't cover the news. Um, and uh, we. It, it's literally just us venting about our weeks, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, very. I think it's, in my opinion, it's very entertaining. But we we do uh, tell like the the highlights of what happened in the past two weeks and what we have going forward. And um, there is kind of like an overarching overarching story to mm-hmm. the entire season uh that it, it's uh it's a personal journal but it's it's a storytelling podcast well look here's the deal you know we've just launched this new uh show i want to call it a show feature on patreon every friday we're gonna re- i want to re- as much as possible release uh 
uh, a, a, an episode of a queer podcast that's out there that's trying to you know get going. I know you've, you've done like half a year's worth, right? Or uh, we uh, pretty much, uh, yeah, we've done we've been on since December of last year of 2017. Oh, okay, so just a little over a year, you know. Mm-hmm. But you have you said how many episodes do you have out there? Like 32. Oh, 32. Oh, yeah, that seems right. You come out every two weeks. So you, 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 I don't know if there's a go-to episode that you tell people. What I want you, please, I want the Patreon people to hear this, to try it out, check out What the Puck, they, which, by the way, they can find right now everywhere they get their podcasts, you know. And But uh, give me an episode that you want us to upload. Maybe it could be the most recent one. It could be one that you think is a really good episode. And we'll put it out on Open Mic, and we will uh, direct people to your show. I'll be happy to. And small world, we just yeah. found this out the other day. Um, my co-host Lena is good friends with your co-host Lori Roggenkamp. They were both on a sketch comedy team uh, at IO West for. A oh, year. really? Mm-hmm. They were sketch comedy partners. Oh my god, isn't that horrible? And <laughs> and and she has to realize what a horrible, disgusting pig this Lori Roggenkamp is. It's so annoying. <laughs> was she there when uh, Robin Williams came in? Was it was it, where did you, was it UCB or IOS or where was she at when Lori was doing sketch? I it was IOS. Oh, okay. So no, that wasn't that wasn't the Robin Williams time. And uh, oh, okay. And 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 you know there was maybe one day Lori will come on with all this drama with the IOS people where someone was living in the old building. I don't know what your co-host thinks about that. Um, yeah, yeah. So oh, so she knows Lori Rod. What's her opinion of Lori Rod? You can be honest. Oh, I, I just mentioned uh, I, I was bringing up Fat Camp to her one day, and uh, and he was like, she said, "Who's his his co-host?" And I was like, um, "She lives out in California with him, like uh, Lori Roggenkamp." And she was like, "Oh my gosh, I know her!" And I, she doesn't, she didn't tell me like any any tea or anything about her, yeah. but she said that she had a good time on the. Oh, she's so annoying! I'm, ugh, I can't feel sorry. <laughs> Lena Deloach, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna text this to Lori, but poor Lena. I, anyone has to know this Lori Roggenkamp. I feel so sorry for them. Oh, she sounds like a great person. Meh. Well, I enjoyed her first episode that she that you had on the open mic night. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. You know what? I actually listened to it while I was having breakfast the day I released it. And I was like, this is actually not a bad episode. It's a very touching episode. It was. It's, it's, a, it's a different side of Lori than we get to hear. She's very calm and so nice to her girlfriend. I'm like, who's this person? Yeah, and then they drop that bombshell in the middle of the episode. That that's that's her girlfriend. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That star, her girlfriend. Okay, John, will you please come on again, specifically when we have Jamila on and we have other people on? And it's not such a ragtag episode because Jamila is now busy with the other show. I'll be happy to. All right. Well, Jono, thank you so much for being here today. And guys, you can catch Reclaim Our Time every Monday. It comes out on, live on Sundays, but uh, uh, comes out on Mondays on your Patreon feed. And uh, Jono, thank you for being here. Make sure and check out What the Puck, available wherever you get your podcast. Thank you, Jono. Uh, I, I still have to figure out official uh, outro music, but we'll just go with the music that we have now for this. Okay. Um, and uh, we'll see you on... I, Jono, this is not L.A. bullshit. We'll have you on again. You were great. You were fantastic. You like Thank you for having me. Thank you, Jono. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right.